What's up everybody, here is Zen Studios here again, it's another, another edition of the Architectural Graphics written by Francis K.D. Chang, and um, how you guys doing, how's your, how's your evening been doing, how's everything been doing, how's your, how was your day, hope you guys get well, hope you slept well, are you on the road, or are you in traffic, or are you still at work, are you heading home? Was and hustle of uh, the cities you're in, or is it your locality? How are you doing? How, how do you see things right now? Okay, so um, did I just say how do you see things? <laughs> oh, brother. Uh, all right. Um, in our previous uh, episode, we discussed about line weights. Right? We talked about the heavy, the medium, the light, the light lines. We talked about line types. We talked about way to draw lines. We just gave a real brief introduction into architectural graffiti. By the way, we're still taking our reference from this book called uh, The Architectural Graphics by Francis K.D. Chang. You guys should go check it out. It's it's very important for every architectural student, especially someone that wants to start architecture. It's a way to, you know, kickstart your career or your studies in architecture. We discuss about digital line weights. All right, now in the previous one, I talked about that we're going to stop and continue from line quality. Yeah, line quality. It's one thing to have the line weights right. It's another thing to get your line to the best of its quality. Now let's begin. Now what's line quality? By the way, for those who don't know me, my name is Ben Zimzo Austin, Zen Studios. And now we're just going to replay and fast forward. To the lessons day, line quality. Line quality is still under architectural drafting. Line quality refers to the crispness, the clarity, and consistency of a drawn line. The density and weight of a line should be as uniform as possible along its entire length. Drafted lines should be or should have a taut quality, Spin it again. as if stretched tightly two points. Avoid lines or avoid a line as a series of short overlapping strokes. All lines should be met loosely at corners. When lines stop short of a corner, resulting angle will appear soft or rounded. When a line stops short of a corner, the resulting angle will appear soft or rounded. Avoid excessive overlapping that appears, you know, out of proportion to the size of a drawing. Avoid it. It's very, very important. Dashes should be relatively uniform in length and be closely spaced for better continuity. When dash lines meet a corner, a dash line should continue across the angle. I repeat, when a dash line met at a corner, a dash line or a dash should continue across the angle. A space in a corner position will soften the angle. Now, we're talking about the traditional quality lines. We're talking about the digital quality lines. When one sees on a computer monitor does not necessarily indicate that one will get the printer or get from a printer or a plotter. Judgment of line quality in a digital drawing must be deferred until one sees the actual output from a printer or 
just because you're looking at your system and you see the line looking good doesn't mean it's, it's actually gonna come out right you must see the product when you print your work from the printer or plotter the lines produced by effector drawing programs are based on mathematical formulas and usually print or plot better than those of razor you know, raster images Remember this, it's very important. Like I said in the previous episode, run test prints, test runs of your printing before you make a conclusion in your drawing. Highly important because a lot of times it may not come out right. It may not come out right, sorry. It may not come out right when, when you see it from your system and you print it out. So you can make any short corrections or whatever, yada, 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 you want to talk about. Now, the general principle. It's a smash hit. What is the general principle of lines? Or the general principle of how you hold your pen? It's a smash what are they? Hit. Let's find out. The point of a lead and a lead it's holder a should have hit. a taper around three over eight inches long. If the taper is too short or too rounded, the point will dull quickly. It's a smash hit. They are a variety of mechanical sharpenings available. If you use a sandpaper pad to sharpen lead, slant the lead at a low angle, you know, like this. You know, you just slant it, you know, very low, you know, pointed another degree, you know what I'm saying, lower degree to achieve a correct taper. Now, the 0.3 millimeter or the 0.5 millimeter leads for mechanical pencils do not require sharpening. They don't. You're already perfect. Position your body to draw over the upper straight edge of a T-square. Parallel rule, parallel rule, sorry, <laughs> or triangle, never the lower edge. Hold the pencil at 45 degrees to 60 degrees angle. Hold technical pens at a slightly steeper angle. Move the pen or pencil along the straight edge in a plane perpendicular to the drawing surface, leaving a slight gap between the straight edge and the nib of the pen or the point of the pencil. Do not push the pen or pencil as if it were, you know, a Q-stick. Remember what I said that before? Please, your pencil's not a Q-stick. Your pen's not a Q-stick. Use a pen and pencil the right way. Do not draw into the corner of a straight edge. You know, it, it, don't draw into that. Because where the straight edge meets the drawing surface, it doesn't come out right. So don't draw into the corner where straight edges meet drawing surfaces. Do you get me? Doing so dirties the equipment. It keeps it so dirty, man, like you don't wanna like it. And curses someone's bloods of ink on your lines. Not on just your paper, but also on your pen. Draw with a steady pace. Not too fast, not so slow. Sweet in the middle. And even your pressure this will prevent a line from feathering or fading out along its length. To help a pencil point wear evenly and keep it fairly sharp, rotate the shaft of the lead holder or mechanical pencil between your thumb and forefinger slowly as you draw the entire line length. A line should start and end in a positive manner. A 
applying slight additional pressure at the beginning and end of the stroke will help accomplish this. Very, very important. Do it right. It's not going to be easy, bro. But let me tell you something. With proper practice, you'll get it right. Trust me. I still practice every day. And when you get it right, don't stop. Continue. Because you cannot do without doing it. Did I just review the tautology? Please forgive me for that. I correct myself on that, right? Let's move on to another one. Strive for single stroke lines. Achieve the design line weight. However, may require drawing a series of closely spaced lines. Try to keep your drawings clean by washing your hands and equipment often. And by lifting and moving tools rather than dragging or sliding them. Practice that every time. It took me a while before I could get it. Because anytime I try to drag, it inks my work. Especially if you're inking. Trust me, it's a disaster. But when you lift your tools, place it, lift it, place it, draw, lift, place. It gives room for neatness. And protect the drawing surface by keeping the area of it covered with a lightweight tracing paper. So, here's what you do. When you draw with your T-square, below the T-square or underneath, where you are, you put a tracing paper underneath. Just to keep it, your hands clean and to keep it protected. Exposing only the area for which you're working on. Transparency of the tracing paper helps maintain a visual connection of the context of the drawing. That's why I said use the tracing paper. Wait, that's not what I said. I'm saying that, but that's what he said. That's what Francis said. Alright? So, here we go. You know, you know, most of the times, people try to forget these techniques, but um, it's highly important that we keep, you know, pushing and practicing for it, because you don't know where it's going to come in handy. I've had a situation where my laptop kind of packed up, so I had to literally draw, you know, the traditional way, and my lecturer was surprised, yeah. Oh, was it my second? Yeah, my lecturer was surprised. He was quite surprised. I've had situations like that happen every time. So, don't neglect this. Don't neglect everything you're being taught. Highly important. Alright? So, let's move on to parallel and perpendicular lines. They're like the most important lines I've ever been taught in my life. You know... Did it back, you know, with mathematics and all that stuff. So here's the thing with technical drawing. Or architecture, to be say. Parallel and perpendicular lines, when drawing, uh, are, are, um, have different ways, different techniques, different instruments being used, depending on what you're doing. Alright, now. So here's the thing. When drawing vertical lines... Perpendicular lines to the edge of a T-square or parallel rule. Using a drafting triangle and turn your body so you can draw them in a manner similar to the way you draw horizontal lines. So, that's the thing. Whether it's the horizontal, whether it's the vertical, please. Draw it in the same manner. The right way. Avoid simply drawing the vertical lines by sitting still. Or sliding the pen or pencil up and down the edge of a triangle. 
drawing a series of parallel lines using two triangles is useful when a series of is at the same angle other than the standard 30 degrees, 40 degrees, 60, 90, whatever angle of drafting triangles you're using. Now, position the hypotenuse of a triangle. I don't know if you guys can remember your Pythagoras theorem, your hypotenuse, your adjacent, your opposite. So if you hold your angle, your hypotenuse is like the longest part of your triangle, be it the 45 degrees, the 30, the 60, whatever one you're using. Or the 90. Hypotenuse is the strong, is the longest part of the triangle, and um, that is where you position that. You position the hypotenuse of the one triangle against the hypotenuse of the other, and align one side together, upper triangle, which will give the given line you want. Position them at the same time; it will give you the perfect parallel and perpendicular lines you want to produce. Alright, it's got 30 minutes on the clock, 13 minutes on the clock right now, and we'll keep going. Hold the bottom of the triangle firmly when you slide the other triangle to the desired position. You feel me? To draw a perpendicular line, to a given line, whatever, first, position the hypotenuse of the one triangle against the hypotenuse of the other. Align one side of the upper triangle with the given line. Hold the bottom of the triangle firmly when you slide the upper triangle onto the perpendicular side in the proper position. I repeat, align one side of the triangle with the given line. Hold the bottom of the triangle firmly when you slide the upper triangle until the perpendicular side is in the proper position. Now we move on to subdivisions. Now, what are subdivisions? Subdivisions here are, is in, in the principle, it always takes advisable to work with the largest part of the smaller to the smaller. Work from large to small. Don't go from small to large. It gets worse. Successive repetitions of short lengths of measurements can often result in an accumulation of minute errors. It is therefore advantageous, you know, to be able to subdivide an overall length into a number of equal parts. Being able to subdivide any given length in this manner is useful for constructing the riser and runs of stairways. I don't know if you know what stairways are. They are what encases a staircase. As well as for establishing the portion of such construction as a tiled floor or mercenary wall. Get a long, it's simply just simple. Draw a long line and subdivide them. Divide them into equal parts. If you try to draw the line to equal parts, like every short line equally, you may make an error. But if you draw a long line and simply, you know, divide them into equal parts, it will give you your perfect work. Now, to subdivide a line segment, Take for instance, let's, let's, let's imagine a segment AB into a number of equal parts. You have to first draw a line at a convenient angle between 10 degrees to 45 degrees to the starting point. Then you use an angle, using an angle that is too acute would make it difficult to ascertain the exact point of intersection. Now along this line, use an appropriate scale to mark off the desired number of equal divisions you want to do. 
This is like technical drawing all over again. Then the next thing you do is you connect every point B and C. B and C together. Now you have a long line AB. Then those points you draw perpendicular to each other. Connect them. Then you draw the lines parallel to BC to transfer the scale divisions into the line AB. Simple, right? I know you get it. I know you get it. I know it may not seem so easy at first, but then you get it right. Now, a distinct advantage of digital drawing programs is that they allow us to, you know, try out graphic ideas, easily undo them if workable, unworkable. We can lay out and develop work on screen and either spin it out or save the file for future editing. I repeat, we can lay out and develop work on screen and either print it out or save the file for future editing. Questions on scale and placements can be deferred since these aspects can be adjusted as required during um, the, the creation of final graphic image. In hand drafting, the result of drawing process is seen immediately, but adjustments to scale and placements are difficult to make. Now, digital multiplication is like the ability to create, move, and place copies of lines or shapes in easily accomplished in digital drawing programs. Now, it's just like it's this option I use when I do Archicad or Revit. So when I probably select or do I a copy in Revit, you, the, the, the shortcut to copy a material is like, or a line or whatever object you want to copy is CO. Then there'll be a tab by the left where you see constraints. You, you click on the constraint to, you know, untick it, and then you click on multiple, multiple to create multiple um, of the object that you've copied. Then you select the number that you like, giving it space, that you can paste it from, you know, 100 millimeters, 200, 400, a lot. It saves time than to actually recreate things. The same thing with ArchiCAD. ArchiCAD quite a lot more easier though with ArchiCAD because I'm not trying to endorse any uh, software. There's some things in ArchiCAD that are done quickly and nicely. There's some things in Revit that are done quickly and nicely and the things that they can't even do better. So I'm not endorsing anyone. They're both good. Learn either one of them or at most learn both. Now on ArchiCAD I was just saying, you take the software or we take whatever object in that um, program that you're using. You, there's an option you right click you scroll down, you look at copy and create multiple. Then, and that it'll, it'll show a tab where you can select the amount of multiples you want to create, like 6, 4, 12, 10, whatever you want to create, and to produce it easily. That's what you call digital multiplication. It creates the desired number of equal space copies of objects that you want to produce. Easy, huh? Now, we go to digital subdivision. Now we can subdivide any line segment in a manner similar to the process that we do with hand drafting. Yeah, you can. You can also distribute lines and shapes evenly between the two endpoints of the line segment, whether subdividing by handwriting or hand drafting, sorry, or digital drafting or drawing. The process of working in the general to the specific from a larger whole to the smallest parts remains the same. Same process, same everything. Very easy, I tell you.
Uh, if you want to ask me about the steps, it's, it's, it's literally uh, the same. It's literally the same. But explaining from a digital angle is it, not that easy. It's not that easy. All right, guys. So we'll keep going. We'll keep going. It's 20 minutes on the clock. I know you feel bored, but trust me. We're almost done. We're almost done. We're almost done. Then under drafting, other things you got to talk about, it's digital subdivisions, like I explained. Another thing you also have to talk about is angles. Angles are highly important. In every drawing we do, the usual box shape, why it is easily done is because of number one, it's already at nine, angle 90 and angle 180. The flat, that's 180. The 90, that's upwards. That's why people can easily design buildings in the box shape. But when you want to do complex objects, complex forms, even the usual edges and street edges and curved edges, when you want to design buildings like that, it gets really difficult. Knowing your angles is highly important. Knowing those angles are highly important. We normally use standard drafting triangles like, you know, 30, 45, 60, um, 90. You know those angles, right? Back when you were in secondary school or uh, uh, back when you were in secondary school or high school, whatever. With such angles, you can easily just construct the 15, the 75 angles for, for other angles using a projector or an adjustable triangle. I really wish I could draw diagrams for you guys to see what I'm seeing. But, um, like I said, this is a podcast, it's like, <clears throat> something you, you have to listen to. But I'm very sure that with this thing, you, you easily understand, um, what I'm trying to portray. It's better than just looking at lines. Trust me, reading books sometimes can be a bore. But if you kind of hear, hear it from an audio version or video, why not? So it's 22 minutes right now, and now we talk about digital shapes. Yeah, digital transformation. Everyone know what morphing is. You can morph shapes. You can do vector images just like what you do. You're Adobe Illustrator. I'm very sure more of you understand what Adobe Illustrator is. Even in your softwares, you know how to use Revit, Revit Dynamo, Rhino. In Rhino software, you can morph shapes into anything you want to call it. Mostly people like Zaha did. Most of people like Big Al Ingels. When they designed your work, I mostly see some of their um, videos on the internet. They mostly use softwares like Revit. They use softwares like Revit Dynamo. Yeah, that's a Dynamo plugin. They use softwares like Rhino. Rhino with a grasshopper program, you know, so they can create shapes that are really difficult to, to produce easily on AutoCAD, you know. It gives a sense of, wow, artistic approach to architecture. It, it, it brings out more freedom to use curved lines and berserk curves, you know, Buildings that you'll be like, whoa, how did this come around? And, you know, this is where architecture is driving at. Architecture should be like, you know, Minecraft. That's what so says the saying of video angles. And the world is 360. So why should everybody just be focused on, you know, the box? We could do other shapes. Other shapes are very beautiful there, you know. So another thing I want to talk about before I close is the Bezier Cubs. B-E-Z-I-E-R. It's a French word. You know, it's a, it refers to a classic uh, mathematical derived curve from a, a French engineer named Pierre Brizier. This is mostly used for CAD or CAD CAM operations. 
Now, a simple abusive curve has two anchor points, which defines the end point of a curve, and two control points, which lie outside the curve and control the curvature of the path. A number of simple abusive curves can be joined to form more complex curves. I'm very sure you will notice these curves when you start using them in stuff like Archicad, stuff like Revit, stuff like Rhino, or even the Adobe Photoshop or Illustrator. Sometimes when I want to draw a line, when I try to draw lines using pen, it sort of produces this kind of curve. You see an anchor point, you see a control unit, you see a handle, and you realize that, whoa, this actually is the Bezio curve. There's a collinear relationship between the two handles, you know what I'm saying? When you see the handle, you just hold the handle, you just see the, you know, the relationship between the anchor and the, the control point. You will notice this when you see such things. Alright guys, I want to stop here, and this marks the end of the architectural drafting. In the next episode, or on the next episode, we'll be talking about architectural drawings, per se. We'll be moving more into architectural drawings. I really wish I could continue more, but I'm very sure this thing could really be a bore sometimes if you continue going for a long time. Remember, my name is Ben Zimzel Austin, and this is Zen Studios. See you in the next episode. Remember, this is a book written by Francis K.D. Chang. See you next time. Have fun. Stay safe. Remember, this is still COVID-19. Stay safe, my people. Grab your coffee. Relax. Sleep. Peace.